0: In 2011, Planet of the Apes rebooted with a surprising amount of success, in what turned out to be the beginning of a brand new trilogy. I was certainly skeptical at the time, but let's find out how Rise of the Planet of the Apes made me a believer. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment, I am Peter and joining me… As always, is David. I come in peace. Welcome everyone to a Science Fiction Movie Podcast. We get together and we talk about a sci-fi movie. It's quite that simple. And because we've got a new Planet of the Apes movie coming out in the middle of 2024, it's time mm-hmm. we start working through the Planet of the Apes movies that we've not done yet on the Apes. Now, me and Tara, back in the day, went through the five classic films and the Tim Burton remake, which leaves, mm-hmm. conveniently... The Modern Trilogy. So today, we are talking about Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We will start spoiler-free as we always do. And just before we do get started, I'll just remind everyone, if you're enjoying the episode, please do hit the like button. It helps us out a bunch. And you can get some bonus shows that we do over in patreon.com slash TV if you want to help support everything. I'll tell you more about those shows at the end, but we'll get into Rise of the Planet of the Apes first of all. Uh, David, had you seen hmm. any of these before? Um...
1: The original, or yes, this new trilogy, I have seen Rise and I have seen Dawn, but it has been forever for both of them.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, mm. I saw all of these when they came out in the theaters. Um, I have probably told my story about Rise numerous times at this point across various shows, but it, it was mm. it's worth repeating for, for the context of going into this. I haven't heard it. Well, tell me more, Papa, (laughs) Peter. Well, I just, I remember, you know, earlier in 2011, maybe late 2010, whenever the trailers, which by the way, the fact that this movie's now 12, almost 13 years old, we're recording this. In fact, it will be 13 years old by the time you see this, technically, but uh, we're recording this on New Year's Eve. This is the last day of 2023 (laughs) for us. But by the time you get this, it'll be, I think, February or something like that. But, and, I remember when the trailer for this came out. I remember just being really jaded and really cynical and scoffing and saying, "But why? Why is there a new Planet of the Apes movie? Who's who's wanting this? This feels like just a, a weird cash grab. It feels like they're forcing mm-hmm. an IP that feels like it should be left behind." And, and I don't know. I just I didn't get why it existed. And I think the mm-hmm. nicest thing I can possibly say about this movie when I saw it is that I left that theater having been proven by the film why it should exist and why it was worth doing. It completely turned me around. And and this trilogy as a whole, but Rise being the first part of it, is one of the few exceptions where the movie took me and said, no, we're going to earn the fact that this exists by the end, and it's not just a cheap nostalgia sequel. Uh, Mm. So, you know...
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really strange, especially living in a world that's like post-Star Wars prequels. The fact mm. that a film studio had the gall to say, yes, we've got this classic IP, and we're going to show you the prequels of how we got there. Like that took some stones, so I really do think that they oh, just, believed in this project early I,
0: on. I, I want to jump in right away, though. These movies are not prequels to the original film. I want people right. always make this mistake. This is a mm-hmm. reboot. There is no way, especially by the time you get to the end of War, that it can lead to exactly what's in the original film. There's definitely right. elements that may still happen if they get to that point, and there's 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 nods and there's callbacks to things and little winks and whatever. But mm-hmm. th- this like it's, it's definitely not the exact same. Uh, world that it's building to there may be. i could see this universe having its own version of the original film that's slightly different based on Mm -hmm. what's changed on the run-up to it but uh well yeah see pete
1: that's what's going to get you is that kingdom of the planet of the apes is going to be a multiverse story and we're going to make sure all of it ties Uh, in together
0: uh, shut up no (laughs) enough multiverse nonsense um and honestly, I'm feeling kind of weird about Kingdom because I don't think there needs to be any more. I, like, I mean, maybe it'll prove me wrong once again. Maybe they'll yeah. give me a great movie. But right now, I'm like, no, this was a trilogy and it had a perfect ending. And there's this this just feels tacked on. It's like none of the people that were, that were involved in these movies, mm-hmm. you know, in prominent positions and creative roles are involved in the new ones. So I can't help but feel that I'm we're just being set up to be disappointed with this new one but more on that when it comes out <laughs> yeah we'll so, get there
1: i mean i think that it sounds like the same sort of situation that you opened it up with of it seems like they're just trying to ride this out get a little quick extra cash based off of
0: something people remember but who knows maybe there's a story behind it it, it may be worth doing it. who knows but mm-hmm. uh right now we're going to focus on rise and yes. and talk about this one in depth um so, yeah. Did you like it?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's 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 weird because I remember this one probably more than I remember War, despite seeing or not War, uh, Dawn more despite seeing Dawn more recently. But it is different than I remember it. I guess is the best way to say it. It's it's good. It's got a solid story to it. But I don't know. I I feel like I remembered it being a lot more focused on what ended up being the second half of this movie than it actually really was. I I think I kind of condensed the first half of this movie down to maybe like 30 minutes in my mind, and then the rest of it stretched the rest. So as I was watching it, I kept on waiting for the moment where it tipped over to what I remembered, and I was like, come on, I want to see that. That's the cool part. Um, But overall, I mean, it did a great job setting up all of the characters. I think there was only one performance that i'm really gonna give maybe two that i'm gonna give any flack to when we get to them but overall was a solid story being told and visual effects wise because that is kind of the centerpiece of this movie i think it's good but there are a few parts in it when it does kind of show its age nowadays they definitely got better with time but it still stands up very well
0: yeah, the visual effects when this came out felt like next level. It felt like mm-hmm. they were doing things and no one expected it from a Planet of the Apes movie. Everyone kind of expected, oh this is a, you know, a cheap reboot that Fox right. are doing. This is not going to be But it ended up being this, oh no, this is actually the next generation of performance in terms of capture and motion capture and things like, you know, Andy Serkis is playing Caesar, the main ape in the movie mm-hmm. and yeah like he is ultimately the protagonist of this film and there's moments where you could you're you're watching a performance based on the eyes moving and it's all done in a way where no there's an actor really performing this and that is being captured and translated to an ape and Mm -hmm. it is very good i I will agree that now that we're over a decade later i can see a a little bit of the cracks and moments here or there and i can sort of see things looking a little bit flat compared to what they, they should feel um, although this is something that definitely gets even better with the uh, the next two as well, but mm. this was a monumental leap, and it really it, it 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 stood tall above anything else being done in visual effects in 2011, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. it still holds up well, and is still better than most movies have today. I watch any Marvel movie from the last year and tell me <laughs> that the effects are even half as good as this movie, because I guarantee you they're not.
1: Yeah, I saw a meme actually just yesterday of someone posting basically why does every Marvel movie look like this and then it's just a screenshot from Spy Kids
0: 3. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's how it feels. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, just one thing to get out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. These creatures are apes. They're not monkeys. However... Yes. Occasionally, one may jokingly refer to them as a monkey and I'm saying that because there's always one person if you even say the word monkey, when talking about any of these movies, they'll go into the comments and be like, monkey, apes, you know, chimpanzees aren't monkeys, they're apes. We know, okay? We absolutely 100% know that. Pete, you're not
1: supposed to say that until they've already posted the comments so we can get the engagement. <laughs> Come on now.
0: Yeah, I just, it's without fail, if you even... Because people jokingly do it all the time, knowing oh, full yeah. well there's a difference, and someone always has to still correct them, so I'm just I'm getting that out of the way right now, okay? I'm
1: going to specifically call them everything except apes. <laughs> I'm going to so, be like, so the bonobos
0: were jumping out of the cages. I was going to go more silly and just say, so the fish in this film... Oh, just full opposite <laughs> animals. <laughs> so the yeah. bald eagle riding on a horse. <laughs> so, anyway, um... Yeah, the performance and the motion capture, the visual effects is is excellent. And it really is kind of, in a lot of ways, the centerpiece of the film. Mm-hmm. But I think that performance of Caesar and the fact that it does become his story. Like, yeah, it starts off with James Franco and his character, who's the scientist making the new fancy things. Mm-hmm. but And it kind of has to start that way just to get the, the story going. But it does very much become, no, this was Caesar's movie. This is his story. He is the protagonist. Right. He's the one who has the arc. He's the one that's changed by the end, so on, so on. And the fact that we could do that with a character is is a a testament to the fact, hey, the CG and the motion capture and the performance through that all worked. Because if that didn't work, then you couldn't have done that with the movie. You couldn't have had him be the protagonist. And I think that's yeah. a, a big deal. So that's,
1: that's what I was saying at the beginning, though. I remembered this movie as Caesar's story, but it does take probably a good 45 minutes to an hour to really get all the way of where the movie's focused more solely on Caesar and Jane Perenko's character kind of falls
0: into the background a little bit. Yeah. It was funny, actually, as you're saying that is I have seen this, you know, enough times since then. This is not like a long time since I watched this. In fact, me and Tara at one point, we're going to do an episode on this mm-hmm. and I watched the movie for that episode and then it fell through and we ended up doing something else. So I saw this maybe a couple of years ago. I saw it when I talked to Connor about it a few years before that. So I've seen it probably four times, maybe five times now uh, with this viewing. Uh, One of the things that sticks out to me watching it all these times is that I actually do think the movie could do with being a bit longer. It's an hour and 45, right? Including Mm. credits. And as I'm watching it now, I kind of notice how quickly paced some of the stuff is and how quickly decisions are being made. Yeah, And some of the decisions are really big decisions about breaking rules about labs and you know, <laughs> all all the various things that James Frank was designed to do in the first half of the movie, it actually feels like it's speeding through it now when I'm watching it because I'm like, you know, I It almost feels like we could have done with a bit more, like, you know, like he's got motivation. Don't get me wrong, the motivation for him to do each of these things there, but just something that kind of like, okay, gives you the initial motivation and then the thing that ramps it up to make him cross the line. You know, like you you have the right. the, the two steps to it as opposed to just here's his motivation, so he does it. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that just doubles down more on how it isn't his story.
1: Like, all of the things that we get the time based off of is what Caesar is choosing to do. We spend a lot of time seeing that monkey brain process through and figure out, okay, here's what's going to happen. Monkey brain, you say? I'm going to keep saying it. I want these people to get angry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, I, yeah, that would be kind of the extent of my complaints, really, as far as like watching this again goes. Like, mm-hmm. I think that third act, especially, is so satisfying. It's such oh, a yeah. great sequence. You get a big set piece on the Golden Gate Bridge, which you know they used in a lot of the marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I think this movie has a few callbacks, you know, in references to the original film, the original Planet yeah. of the Apes. I think it has maybe the best callback to an original film that I've ever seen in a movie that uses it in a way where it's not just a reference to the original film, but it 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 uses it to actually tell part of the story and propels the story forward, and that's what makes the moment feel so special. Okay. I'll, I'll get into what that specific moment is, obviously, in spoilers. I have a feeling, I know, but... You probably do, Yeah, but we'll talk about that in spoilers. I will say, though, there is definitely a few smaller extra ones they throw in that I do think they could do without... Um, mm. I'll just say, at one point, a character starts yelling, it's a madhouse, and I'm like, yeah. okay, all right, you're being cute, stop it, right? You're you're referencing I mean, the movie.
1: If if we're being 100% straight up, Tom Felton is <laughs> the callback machine in this movie. Like, everything that is a callback is funneled through him
0: as a character. It, almost, not all, but yeah. to, to a point. Almost all. Uh yes, but incl- that's including the good one though, and the good one's very mm. good. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because obviously the cast him to be a little shit who everyone hates, and he's very mm. good at doing that. Um, oh yeah. Obviously, here he's putting on the American accent, which your your mileage may vary on how natural that sounds. I. Can't
1: say it stood out to me. I wasn't, like, calling it out at any given point. But if I think about it, I'm like... I mean, that's the whole thing. I was watching this movie. I couldn't tell you what his character's name is because it was Malfoy. The whole time I was like, (laughs) Malfoy, why are you angry at those monkeys?
0: Yeah, I... What's funny, though, is his dad, who runs the the place, uh, is played Mm -hmm. by Brian Cox, who's a Scottish actor, and he's been doing American accents for so long now that I don't even, like... You know, even yeah. if it's not the most natural, I'm sure maybe other Americans probably hear it and go, oh, that doesn't sound like a real American accent. But I'm so used to hearing what his American accent is that it just sounds like a normal voice now. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have told you he was Scottish, so you got me on that one. Oh, yeah, he's, he hides it well. He's yeah. you know, I've seen him speaking different accents way more than I've ever seen him speaking a Scottish accent. Nah, uh, that's fair. He's, he's been in stuff since he, he was in the original Hannibal movie, Manhunter, in the 80s. Oh, okay. But he played Hannibal in that movie. All right.
2: Yeah. Fair so, enough.
0: Uh, of course, all the the young people will know him from Succession because he was in that recently. Mm. I still need to watch that. I haven't so seen it myself, but... Something to do. People seem to like it. Mm-hmm. People seem to like it. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into all those details uh, of the references and stuff and how it maybe links up with the, the classic movies mm. and spoilers. Uh, as far as, you know, looking down everything else, you know, the cast, we've mentioned a few of the main names here, Andy Serkis playing Caesar with motion capture. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've got James Franco as the as the scientist, Will.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's essentially, if you don't count Andy Serkis, the lead of the movie, and I gotta say, I don't think I see him as
0: anything but James Franco. Like, he's not a character <laughs> in this. He's just James Franco the whole time. Well, I mean, to be fair, Caesar's back in the next one, and James Franco was not. Yeah, <laughs> so, true. So clearly there was a genuine feeling of, yeah, this is not his movie. Yeah. I mean, but, but, like, I just, as a... There's so many things that he does,
1: and you you made the point of he makes these big choices throughout the movie, and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like he's got the character developed enough not just in writing but like how he's performing it for me to feel justified in these actions like he's just feels like james franco showed up to set and did these things it doesn't feel like the
0: character of will rodman did these things i think that's fair i I think that's less a critique of this movie though and just a critique of james franco in general because i feel like i feel like that's him in anything i've seen him in I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever see him. Maybe the deuce is the one example I can think of where it feels like he is just that character to me in that show. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you know, he shows up and he's like, I have nothing left except Spider-Man. Right. Exactly. I I just see, I just see Franco. Yeah. He's got two modes
1: for me. And that's Harry Osborn, where he's just kind of like keeping it bland throughout. And then he has whatever he does in Seth Rogen movies, which is, Mm. I'm guessing just James Franco
0: yeah okay more standout though is his father in the movie played by john yes. lithgow mm-hmm. uh he is very good he's always very good to be fair yeah uh, and this is a, a different role for her because obviously we're so used to him doing the comedy we're so used to him doing his third rock from the sun or, mm-hmm. or similar style of characters this if you go back to the 80s it did a lot of villains this is very different though this is an old man who's suffering from from alzheimer's or, or something similar yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a heartbreaking kind of role. Like, you know, not very funny. Not meant to be funny, though, to be fair. no. Yeah, no, he's he's
1: definitely... I mean, he is more of a fun character, all things considered, but he is playing a very serious part. And I'd say that uh, one of his last scenes in this movie is kind of just, like, heartbreaking in its own right.
0: And that's all sold through Lithgow's expressions and acting there. yeah. Uh, we also have Frida Pinto, who's kind of the love interest for Will in the movie. Uh, mm. She she feels like she's an important character, but when you actually think about how much influence she has in Ethan in the film, it's actually not that much. It's
1: Yeah, she's the moral sounding board of the movie. Anytime that James Franco does something that's a little bit morally questionable, she's the one who's like, but James Franco, should you be doing that?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that, that that's the main players I'd say that's worth... Mm-hmm. worth mentioning obviously we have the various apes we'll talk about them more in depth later but other than caesar we have maurice the orangutan we have the mm-hmm. gorilla who i think was named oh it was written on his cage rusk um, or something like that it was something like that
1: here i'll look it up real You'll quick up.
0: uh you have another chimpanzee named rocket and then of course koba another chimpanzee who is very mm-hmm. easy to spot because he's got a big scar on his face and he's got like, yeah, he's, a he's been eye. around the lab testing circuit for like decades or something oh he's had a rough uh, time of it yeah yeah the gorilla was named buck buck that was i knew it was a i knew it was something with you I, I knew yep. that was the only syllable but hey yep. so yeah all right well are we ready for spoilers is there anything else you want to uh um i guess
1: before we get into spoilers though just want to question how much are we also spoiling the original planet of the apes <laughs>
0: because that is something we need to bring up. I mean... (laughs) Okay, right, I'll just say, right. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have to spoil much of the original Planet of the Apes, but I will say that the ending (laughs) of the original Planet of the Apes is probably going to come up uh, as we talk about this. Uh, So if you've not Mm -hmm. seen the original and somehow don't know what the ending to that movie is... Then go watch the original Planet of the Apes and watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes and come back. <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. Good to know. Um, yes. Uh,
1: and also, I have homework at the end for anybody who would like to stick around for that.
0: Oh yes, yes. David goes back and watches an, a sci-fi movie that me and Tara did before his time. Often stuff that he's not seen before, so he's he's getting caught up in the uh, the wider sci-fi world. So yep, uh, we'll do that at the end. So spoilers from this point on for Rise of the planet of the apes so where do we where do we start
1: uh (laughs) i mean i guess it it's weird because this movie doesn't exactly have a twist ending because that's kind of when you talk about planet of the apes you talk about the twist ending but this one it's pretty straightforward the whole way through it doesn't really throw any major
0: curveballs throughout it's a character drama effectively (laughs) it's about caesar sort of becoming wise enough and strong enough although it did occur to me that he's technically only eight years old like for the most of the movie because the time jumps ahead to when he's three and then it jumps ahead five years later and that's where we then spend the rest of the movie so he's Mm -hmm. eight years old for the majority of this i mean i just pulled
1: up ape lifespans and apparently the average ape lifespan is about 40 years in the wild so i guess this is the equivalent of him being like 20 years old in human terms
0: that said, though he is especially if he's smarter, he's probably yes. going to be eaten better than like a wild ape would be eaten. So yeah, on. yeah, you know, he's he's probably going to live a bit longer than that. I would, I would Well,
2: expect. I think
1: ape ape lifespans go down when they're in captivity. Eh, not by much. It's only down to like thirty five. So fair enough. But I mean, he's not in captivity by the end. True, but he was raised in captivity. So there's the question of when does it transition over.
0: Like, he's a special boy, okay? He's a special boy with special DNA. I'm sure he'll be nice and healthy for some time. For at least two more movies. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I guess we go through an order. It feels kind of almost weird to do it that way with this one, though, just because, like you say, a lot of the interesting stuff is the, like, a lot of the early on, which is James Franco pitching to his, like, board member's the sci-fi yeah. company or sci-fi the the scientific company. <laughs> it's a sci-fi company. Let's it's a scientist here. Yeah, it's called Genesis. Genesis. Which
1: I I kind of appreciate the fact that they are doing so many tiny little symbolic things. Like this is the origin of what we eventually get in Planet of the Apes. So the fact that the beginning of it is literally Genesis, like it just leads into that biblical thing where like mm.
0: it's the beginning of
1: all things.
0: I I, I like those little touches there. Yeah, there is actually a reference here. So Caesar's mother, uh, mm-hmm. they call her Bright Eyes, which is a, a reference to the original plot of the Apes uh, yep. because uh, they call one of the humans... Or actually, it's uh, Charlton Heston's character is referred to as Bright Eyes by one mm-hmm. of the apes. Uh, so a little reference there. But yeah, so obviously this is all a big disaster. He's like, hey, we've, we've, we've had success. This ape's pretty smart. But she acts out and ends up causing a scene whilst this meeting's going on where he's trying to get funding and try to get approval for human trials and then the ape crashes through the window and everyone's scared to shit. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not going to fund or approve anything now. Yeah. so I mean, not the most disastrous
1: pitch I've ever seen. I've seen some Elon Musk pitches, so... <laughs> could
0: enough. have been worse. Yeah, it could have been much worse. So, I will say, there is definitely a few things where the characters make dumb choices or... There's just, like... So... They didn't realize that Caesar's mother was pregnant at any point mm. whilst they had her in the lab, and that feels a little far-fetched to me that at yeah. no point they, they they realized that either she was pregnant because they were doing, like, blood work and things like that. Visibly, I assume you can still tell when an ape's pregnant, a stomach well, probably still gets bigger, right?
1: They they had the one throwaway line from the animal handler named Franklin. Uh, Franklin throws out, Apes carry small. We must not have noticed. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, buddy.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, but you're also taking blood and DNA and doing tests yeah. and ulcers. It feels a bit weird also, you wouldn't notice.
1: Also, I feel like they're kept in pretty, like, sterile-looking cages as well in this lab. I feel like having a baby, all of a sudden you're <laughs> going to notice, huh, that's weird, there's, like, a ton of blood here.
0: You- I suspect that Chimp wouldn't be quiet whilst giving birth either. Just no. Just sneaking suspicion.
1: No matter how smart, I don't think they'd be, you know, biting their lip and going like, well, I need to keep it down. It's late at night. People are probably trying to yeah. sleep.
0: And yeah, it's worth mentioning, they've made the mother smarter than most apes, but not as smart mm-hmm. as Caesar's going to be. Basically because Caesar's like second generation, where because he yeah. was born from her when she already had the drug in her system, he ends up being really smart. But the way he ends up being back home with James Franco is that the handler dude that you mentioned... He's mm-hmm. told by the boss, who's another sort of recurring character in this movie. He's kind of like the, the CD businessman who just wants <laughs> results and wants to make money. And
1: there's, there's a line in this movie when he's talking <laughs> to James Franco and he's like, you make the scientific innovations, I make money. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, can you be a bit more on the nose? Just a little bit?
0: Uh, to be fair, I think the exact line was, you make history. I make money oh, history. That's what it was. Yeah. That Regardless, was a deal.
1: <laughs> same point. The fact that he actually like points to himself as I make money. And I'm like, all right, yes, we get it. Capitalism bad. Moving on. Yeah.
0: That's not an unfair honestly, message I, to be if, fair.
1: No, it's not. But if I want to throw out what I said at the beginning, there's like two people that I would say are kind of like eh, in acting. It's James Franco. And then this guy, sure. it's the boss character. I think that their performances are just a little bit eh, for
0: me nah that's fair that's fair it's definitely maybe the weaker part of the movie but it gets Mm -hmm. it gets the the beats done that it needs to get done right uh, and no more the actual the things that make the movie great are all the stuff with caesar right it's it's Mm -hmm. his side of it that makes it special the other stuff is functional it does what it does maybe it moves a bit too fast but at the same time maybe they knew it was the weaker part so that's why it's moving so fast It's like no no, let's just get it done get it get it out of the way get all these beats Mm -hmm. played out as much as we can but anyway, uh, basically, he's been told to put down all the chimps, so he's injected twelve chimps to kill them. They yep. find this baby chimp, and he's like, "Hey, take this home with you. Like, I'll I'll get caught. You you're higher ranking than me. You can get this out." And he's like, "No, I'm not taking this baby chimp home." And he's like, "Look, you take it home, and I'll find a reserve or somewhere to keep it. You know, a good place home for it in a couple mm-hmm. of days, and I'll take it off your hands. But if you're not willing to do that," Here's the syringe, I've already killed 12 chimps today, I'm not doing another one. It really, it sells that this guy's really morally taken a beating today by having to oh, do yeah. this. He's not He's not happy that he's had to kill all these chimps.
1: Yeah, no, He he's, there's a scene just before this where he's pleading with the boss guy, basically saying like, okay, but like, there are lives at stake. And the boss turns around and be like, they're chimps. These are not lives. These are animals. Put them down. And... It immediately gets both those characters defined
0: in terms of, like, morally good, morally bad. Great. Yeah. Uh, which is why this guy's, like, ending is kind of sad, because he, <laughs> he's morally good, and he gets a pretty dour ending, but... He's still part of the animal testing circuit. <laughs> Not okay. Ah, true, true. So, naturally, he takes the ape home. Uh, John Lithgow, we get introduced to his character, and he kind of falls in love with the with the baby ape and mm. because Caesar immediately shows signs of intelligence by drinking out of a bottle on his own we kind of you know wish forward a few years to when he's three years old and we get some narration from Franco he's obviously writing in like a scientific journal or something like that and it's basically like hey he, he's showing all these signs of intelligence he's doing puzzles that eight-year-olds would be struggling with but he's doing just fine it's three and he's you know, got really like he's... a 40 word vocabulary in sign language yeah like... yeah um, and you can only assume that's went up by the time we skip another five years. Uh, yeah. a little bit later, but uh, yeah, this is. A, but it, you know, it shows a, a few things here. Obviously, we see him like swinging through the house and getting himself a cookie, and he's really smart. But we also mm-hmm. see him up at his window in the attic, sort of like looking longingly at the kids playing outside and being like, "Why don't I get to play outside? Why don't I have friends?" He's clearly feeling that captivity.
1: Yeah, I, honest to God. I know that Simpsons did the Planet of the Apes musical, but if there was a musical about this movie, this would be where like the Disney out there song would start playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but don't ruin my good movie with Disney shit, please. Fair enough. <laughs> Keep it away from my good films. Thank you very much. We'll make it we'll make the musical a Hamilton rap instead. I know Disney
1: technically own this now, but you know Oh they do, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that explains why this one's being made. Disney has an IP they haven't exploited yet. Of, Golly oh, of, of course.
0: Of Oof. course.
1: Forgot about yeah. that.
0: Uh, so there's a thing here where he goes outside and pisses off the neighbor. And the neighbor's important because the neighbor's going to come up later in a couple mm-hmm. of different ways. Uh, played by David Hewlett, who was in Cube. People may have recognized oh, him from that back from the nineties. 80s. Yeah. Uh, plus he was in a Stargate show, which I guess more people may actually know him from that, but I'm a Cube boy. so <laughs> That's fair um so
1: before caesar sneaks out though we do get the reveal that essentially the father's illness his alzheimer's is getting much much worse and just in one scene without anything else going on james franco says all right i'm gonna steal the
0: drugs from my work and i'm going to bring them home to use on my father so yeah this is one of these things that happens so like he basically he gets the motivation where he sees his dad struggling more and more you see him at work pocketing the, the the vials of whatever the drug yeah. is and then you see him give it to his dad and then he wakes up the next morning and his dad's playing in the piano like he's never missed a beat like he's just yep. you know and they set that up actually because when he comes home the first time he's trying to play piano and he's struggling
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know he's missing notes it sounds quite bad all the rest of it so it's a very good clear indicator but again it's like the next morning he's already completely cured and yep. that's it he's, he's perfect now and it's just one of those little things where it's like, okay, the movie's speeding through these plot beats a little bit because uh, it wants to get to the the good stuff effectively. And mm-hmm. I suppose credit to the movie that it knows what the good stuff is. Like it knows that oh, we're, yeah. we're getting to that. And that's why we're going through this so quick. I imagine there was probably a draft of the script where this part
1: was a lot more padded out and they showed a lot more. And mm-hmm. then they just kind of realized on rewrites,
0: it's like, yeah, this is Caesar's story. So let's just trim this stuff down as much as we can. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Caesar gets outside, tries to play with a kid next door. The neighbor mm-hmm. tries to hit him, uh, and does in fact hit him at least once. Mm-hmm. And they intervene, of course, and they're like shit, he's got a, he's got a, he's hurt. He's got a cut. He needs, needs some medical attention. So he sneaks him to the zoo where there's a vet. Uh, played, and this is the uh, the character played by what was her name again? Uh, Rita Pinto or Pinto? Um, yes. She plays Caroline, and she's this vet. Uh, there's a good little moment here, though, when they're going in, and like all the apes that are, are in the, the, the cage or in the enclosement mm-hmm. uh, all just stop doing what they're doing and just stare at the, 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 the pram that he's moving through the zoo. Yeah. And they're all just watching very intently because they can tell there's an ape in it.
1: <laughs> and then he lifts up the little blanket and all the apes start freaking
0: out. They're like, oh my god, hey, it's him! <laughs> yeah, so that's... I mean, it starts off this relationship between these two characters, uh, Caesar. I mean, I don't know the sign language and they didn't subtitle this part, so I don't know if he was actually saying the things that James Franco was saying he was saying. Yeah, I'd assume he was. I don't see any reason Franco would be lying about that. <laughs> well, he wants to get laid. I the, well, yeah, obviously. That's the main reason why he wants to do that. Yeah. Uh, but we see her investigate, okay, this is where Caesar's staying. He's very smart. This is very impressive. You're, you're doing good for him. But he kind of needs open spaces. And mm-hmm. that leads us to going to the big woods across the bridge um, where they take Caesar, they let him climb. And they set up a few things here. They set up the, the whole hand thing that, that the, the chimps have, which yep. shows, like, they're he's asking for permission, so he puts his hand out. And, like, whoever the dominant, in this case his father, played by Franco, has to mm-hmm. sort of, like, touch his hand in a way that says, okay, I give you permission to go do what you're yeah. doing.
1: I will say, I I remembered this from the uh, first time I watched it, but I do, watching it back now, see that this is one of those obvious, like, this is going to come back, guys. Pay attention to this moment. It's a big character thing. Oh, there's a problem with that. No, it isn't. But it's, like, very much written on the wall. It's very much a big point. Like, the whole movie just, like, they're running out into the woods, but the whole movie stops for a moment just to have this moment. And it's like, hey, this is a thing that apes do, and we need to pay special attention to this because it's going to come back
0: I'm completely okay with this I think your tone's a little too
1: cynical on this point I, I, I'm I, fine with it in the general sense but it just feels like every, it doesn't feel like it's completely natural in the scene it felt like everything grinded to a halt for a second just so they could have this so it come come back up later I I'm not it... saying it's a bad moment I like the moment I think it just wasn't as naturally in there as it could be
0: I think I disagree. I I think I disagree because he's never been outside like this before. And he's never just went free roaming before in the wild. Like, I mean, an expert on apes could tell me this is like the wrong time he would do this or whatever. But at Mm -hmm. least in the context of the movie, I think it fits just fine. And it does set up an important thing for later to show that later on Caesar's the one who's dominant because other apes are asking for his permission to do things. So I I, I, I had no problems with this. But you get the, the, the time jump here as he's climbing the big tree uh, up, mm. to, up to the top of the, the the tree, and it sort of skips through different times, you know, but the weather changes, he changes size, and then eventually he gets to the top, he's looking at the city, and it's five years later, and that's where the rest of the movie is. He's now. also
1: got full clothing now, like they give yes. him a shirt and pants and everything.
0: Yeah. Well, his, his ape dong was probably uh peeking out at times. They had to... <laughs> Yeah, when he was
1: when he was a little baby chimp, they didn't have to worry about that. But they're like, all right, if we're going to be anatomically correct here, we need Andy
0: Circus to wear a shirt and pants. <laughs> but of course, that's one of the things where he starts to feel different, right? Because like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, oh, I'm wearing clothes here. I'm, um, I've got a collar well, they, on. Of course, that yeah. That's... They they exit the uh, redwoods and there's a family
1: bringing their dog on a leash, and Caesar kind of recognizes, like, wait a minute, I'm on a leash. It's on a leash. It's a pet. Am I a pet? Is that what's
0: going on here? And he asks that, and uh, Franco says, no, you're not a pet. And clearly, the leash is really more just to keep other people feeling safe than it has anything to do with him trusting Caesar, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's very much the implication you always get from these, this, this part of the movie. Because uh, Lithgow, when they're first getting into the Redwood, he's like, hey, hey, Like he doesn't need a leash. He's fine. Mm-hmm. And Franco's like, oh, just to be safe. And you do get the impression this is more about other people walking past and seeing a chimpanzee. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, exactly. and rightfully,
0: probably freaking out because they don't know he's a super smart chimp who's like got special brain powers. I mean, that being said, I know he's keeping
1: Caesar on the down low. He's like, some people know about him, but he's not like a widely spread thing. I feel like that would kind of spread though. Of there's a dude living in San Francisco with a chimp <laughs> that
0: just goes out into the redwood forest. You would think, yeah. Uh, there's a great little moment here though, is that when they're going back into the car clearly Caesar usually sits in the back like uh you know like the trunk the trunk yeah uh, and instead Caesar walks to the door and opens it and sits in the back seat and i think the audience mostly are like really, yeah why wouldn't he be sitting in the back seat he's yeah. he's humanoid like he, he can he's a guy. sit there he can think he has <laughs> a soul he can sit there absolutely uh so it's it's this sort of thing where, as the movie goes on, and you can kind of a, a part of the lesson the movie is really teaching you is that Franco is being really naive when he considers like how much Caesar can really flourish because effectively mm-hmm. what he's done is he's made Caesar a one of a kind, and he's not yeah. really stopped to consider how lonely that will make him feel because he's too smart for all the other apes, but the humans are never going to accept him as an equal to them, so he's made this 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 life form. You know, even though it wasn't intentional, obviously he didn't set out to create Caesar. That was like a, a happenstance because yeah. they were too stupid to notice the mum was pregnant. But he exists. And I think part of the arc of the movie... Because uh, Franco does have an arc, and the arc he has by the end is coming to accept that, no, Caesar's an ape. He does belong out in the wild with, with other apes, with his, his own kind. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I also I also think a big thing in this movie, for what little character development he gets, is... Franco's selfishness in general where Mm, obviously he's a scientist he really wants his drugs to succeed when it doesn't get the funding he doesn't just drop it like he's like no this is what i'm going to do i am going to cure alzheimer's that is my goal and later on as we start getting the development between his father kind of relapsing and also uh caesar getting into legal issues he's Basically just saying, like, I deserve to get what I want here. This is not something where I have to make any sort of secessions. I just get to have this
0: because life is unfair to me otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love how you phrased that. Caesar gets into legal issues. (laughs) It sounds like like he's got a defamation court case or something. (laughs) Caesar is very smart, and
1: he ended up drawing an image of Mickey Mouse, and everything just spiraled out of there with Disney's lawyers. Well, actually, it's public domain as of tomorrow. It, it's true. So, <laughs> so <laughs> should I should I just throw up an image of Mickey Mouse
0: instead? Some Steamboat Willie instead yeah. of my face here? Yeah, only the original version of Mickey Mouse, of course, but still, right. public mm-hmm. domain all the same. Q, Q5 horror movies in 2024 that are all oh, about I a killer wait. Mickey Mouse.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for Michael Mouse, the serial killer.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. So... Yeah. So, but it's these little moments where the the idea that Franco never let him sit in the seat when he really mm-hmm. should have at a certain point he should have been like, yeah, just sit in the seat. But yeah. he never he never thought of that. And I think that's just an indication of all the little things that he doesn't think about when it mm-hmm. comes to what Caesar's life actually is and what he wants. You know, whenever he's like challenged later on, like, well, where's Caesar's place in this world now? Now that he's this super smart ape, and he's like, with me, I'm his yeah. father. You but yeah, but that's not going to be fulfilling for him forever. Okay, but do we know that's what he wants? Have we talked about what
1: he wants? It's like, ah, he wants family, because I want family, because I get what I want.
0: And I think Caesar, to a point, does want that until he gets a taste of mm. of other things. You know, until he starts to see the wider world and other right. apes and whatnot. Not that it's something he wants immediately. Obviously, it's it's a bit traumatic at first, for mm-hmm. you know reasons we'll, we'll get into in a minute. But... Uh, Yeah, yeah, So
1: so at that point, uh, when Caesar's in the car, he basically asks, hey, where did I come from? Why am I special? What's going on with me? And James Franco drives him to the lab and just explains everything we've seen in the movie up to that point. We say, your mom was here. She was in a drug trial. You got the drugs from her. And now she's dead and you live with me. And Caesar seems to take that poorly, to say the least. He's not happy
0: about it. Uh, to be fair, it's a lot of lot of big things to be hit with, uh, yeah, uh, true. And one go, and also, uh, uh, Caroline has clearly never been told a lot of this information either.
1: Right, like <laughs> what? I, I we, they they are in a definitely committed relationship at this point, and then we immediately cut to a scene where James Franco like showing her his office, and I'm like, I'm sorry, in five years, at no point Caroline was ever clued in on why the super intelligent ape is around. Okay
0: yeah maybe she was just too happy in a relationship she didn't want to question anything and then she's like wait a minute (laughs) she's like hold on wait a minute i
1: think that ape can actually think i never noticed that before but it got upset
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah if you want to poke holes in the in the script that'd be something weird i mean i guess the way you tackle this is you just start the movie where he's already living with with james franco Um, Mm. i guess the problem with that is though is you'd you'd have a hard time setting up all the stuff with the dad and like you know him being better because of the drug and then regressing later yeah that would be tough to do if you started it there so you'd maybe have to streamline that a little bit but i I can see the argument for it
1: yeah like i was saying i think an earlier draft of the script probably had a lot more on the caroline plot probably developed her more in james Franco's relationship but it just wasn't part of Caesar's story
0: so it just got chopped to shreds and this is what we ended up getting with her reveal of five years later and here's the thing I'm not convinced that's necessarily a bad thing that may actually that may have been the correct choice uh, because for as much as we can poke holes in some of the side of the plot it does get us to the good stuff quicker Mm -hmm. it does get us to the the Caesar stuff and Caesar reacting to this news is very good and Mm -hmm. the, the debate about what to do with Caesar after this is also very good in fact, the, the next thing we see that kind of gets the ball rolling here to show that the dad's regressing is that he's using a fork upside down and Caesar is the one who leans in and corrects the fork. Yeah. Um, and this is where Franco notices there's something wrong and that gets that ball rolling. But it's like, oh, shit, like Caesar's helping the old man. He's, he's, he's almost like a guide dog, but like times a million because he's actually a thinking being.
1: Yeah, it's it's that that's the moment where we have... Obviously, you know, the father has a mental issue. He is uh, falling back into Alzheimer's. But it's a moment where we have an ape that is definitively smarter than a human that we've come to know. Yes. And we see that transition of power there where it's the ape is instructing the human on how to do something. So very interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: And this leads to the thing that gets Caesar put in captivity, which is Mm -hmm. the dad, John Lithgow, goes outside... To go into a car and the neighbor's car door's open, presumably because he was about to come out or something, and he had to run in and get something. And go gets in and starts just driving the car into the car in front of him. And the yeah. neighbor comes out and starts yelling and starts really getting forceful and poking at him. He's not he's not hitting them or anything like that, but he's being, you know, very a deck, and there's a good chance he probably doesn't know that Lithgo's character has a mental health I mean- problem so the
1: the neighbor who attacked him at the beginning who attacked uh caesar caesar is this not the same neighbor i felt like it was it is so i feel like the way that he reacted during that scene is he knew about caesar he knew there was a monkey next door and he like hated it but ultimately put up with it i have a feeling he knows that the father had some sort of mental issue but again it has been five years so maybe it's just been a thing where he it's well, never been that bad.
0: I, I mean, keep in mind, the father was kept inside and like a, like a, a nurse came by to look after him. And yeah. for the last five years, he's been fine because of the drug. It's, you know, I mean, if you want to look at it in a positive way, he did give his dad five years of being healthy again before it regressed. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That's five but, extra years. But again, that just reinforces the plot of James Franco's character being so selfish that he just yeah. can't give it up despite what he had. So that, that that's, that's around this part of the movie where he starts like confessing what he's done to his boss and the boss sees dollar signs because not only did it make him healthier, it made him smarter. And he's like, oh, the rich will yeah. pay for that, baby. <laughs> I, I That scene pissed me off
1: just because like he, he fully comes up and he's like, it fixed my dad's stuff. He managed to get better. We reversed Alzheimer's. It totally worked. And the boss is like, so what? Like, I don't care. I'm not going to be able to feel this drug. It's not an important thing. He's like, also, it made this monkey smarter. And he's like, I'm sorry, smarter, smarter? Like, smarter than he was before? Because reversing Alzheimer, that's not cool. You know what's cool? Being smarter. And so then immediately, he just gives this blanket approval of like, I'll get you whatever you need, but we're going to start testing
0: on more monkeys immediately. You really try to piss people off with the monkey thing, aren't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so... Th- this leads to Caesar getting defensive and wanting to protect John Lithgow's character because he sees the neighbor being aggressive and yelling. So he comes outside and starts beating the shit out of him. Uh, runs after him. We actually get a great little bit here where Caesar ends up in the trees chasing him mm-hmm. down the street and the leaves are just coming down and eventually gets to him and he bites his finger and this is a big character. moment. Not only is it a big plot point because this obviously leads to captivity because now the state are like, hey, wait a minute. You can't just have a chimp attacking people. Uh, yeah. not, not, none of that now. But <laughs> for, for Caesar as a character, and this is where the movie gets really, really good, is that the horror on the people's faces when he sees what people, how people are looking at him after what he's just done and he's mm. hugging John Lithgow's character, it's a big character moment for him. He, he doesn't like that people are scared of him. Um, it, it's a prominent character, you know, signpost in the movie that yeah. you know is starting or development of like him realizing wh- how he wants to treat others, both other apes and people. Here specifically people, but soon apes as well, and mm. where he sees him fitting in in that, and does he fit in that world? And clearly, he decides he doesn't uh, at a yeah. certain point. But I I also really like.
1: Obviously, I think a lot of the. Feelings he gets from this is based off of the reactions from the people around but i also think it is kind of a self-reflection as well where he got so pissed off that he bit off this guy's finger and i think he's at that point kind of self-reflecting like okay i'm not like a human i'm not something that is the same as these people i am somewhat of an animal and coming to that realization is something that shocks him to his core as well because he doesn't see himself as an animal. But there is still that instinct that lies behind the smarter
0: brain. Yeah, it. Or at least he's realizing that he's something different. At yeah. the very least, and the uh, many of them, like obviously the family he's been a part of, all treat him very kindly, and he loves them. Mm-hmm. But the wider people aren't going to just instantly treat him properly the way that he would want to be treated. So, oh, yeah. yeah, this leads us to the. Uh, <laughs> The 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 what was those the correct name for this? It's a primate sanctuary. Primate sanctuary, okay, that's what we're going to yes. call it. The sanctuary. <laughs> I don't know if I see a lot of sanctuary going on uh, in this place, it was, but it's what was written on the sign outside. <laughs> that's the only reason I call it that. Yeah, it's very scummy though. They sort of like you know they have them bring in, and Brian Cox pretends to be nice by letting Frank will take the leash off of him to bring him in, sort of more peacefully. And they're like, hey, we've got this big playpen area with a big fake tree and like some rocks and stuff and there's room to like swing around and it's like it's very nice, very nice. But as yeah. soon as the characters leave, as soon as Franco and uh, Caroline leave, it's like alright, put him in his cage and they take him to this shitty little cage, and yeah. Tom Felton's like, Haha, you dumb ape, you're staying in here Uh and this begins his time in captivity <laughs> in his prison yeah. cell. Caesar does hard time, damn it. I mean, you're right. He
1: does. (laughs) That it is honestly set up to be less of a, oh, you know, he's taken to the pound sort of idea and more of a, no, this is his sentence. He was tried by the criminal court. And this is what we are doing to the point where there's a whole sequence where James Franco goes down to the court to try to get an appeal set up. And it's played like an actual court scene. Like he's talking to the clerk saying like, well, if I can't get an appeal this week, then I'm
0: not leaving, lady. This is important to me, damn it. Yeah, and she's like, you're lucky they didn't put him down, right? Mm-hmm. Just just be thankful you're actually getting a date. Uh, so, And, you know, he, they come back and visit him at one point and Caesar gets really upset because they're not taking him home. And then yeah. when he finally does come and actually bribes Brian Cox to just let him take him, Caesar doesn't want to go by that point, which is why now we're mainly going to focus on the Caesar stuff here because this is the really good meat of the movie. This is where, yeah. you know, it's all just great stuff,
1: which is... So- yeah, the the last thing I did want to bring up though in terms of like the Franco block cuz this is kind of where it leaves it as well is because his father is falling back again, he makes the jump that the issue is that he needs a stronger virus in order to deliver the drugs more aggressively. So he ditches his ALZ112 and produces ALZ113, which is what's getting all this funding and more chimps brought in for testing and Gensis essentially is now just starting up the testing again, now with, as we said before, uh,
0: Koba being the primary testing patient here. Yes, and the boss man does not make a friend with Koba uh, (laughs) during their time together in the lab. But the Caesar stuff, this is where the movie really sings, though. Like, you know, I enjoy the stuff up until this point well enough. You know, it's got some maybe some holes if you want to start picking Mm -hmm. apart the character decisions, but, like, here is where... Like you see, Koba interacting with the other apes, and you know, this idea like, the like, Felton's this Billy. even Billy's the other guy that works there. They may even be brothers, I think they're both maybe the sons of Brian Cox's character.
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know the other guy's name?
0: Oh, no, off the top of my head, no.
1: It says his name is Rodney the Shelter Assistant, and he doesn't have the same last name, so
0: well, maybe it's just Felton's just another guy, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe it's just Felton's the son then, but he calls he definitely calls him dad at one point, uh, which is mm. what I noticed. So, he, if Caesar throws something at him at one point and he gets really pissy and the other guy's like, hey, what about his clothes? The other apes might not like that. They might see him as an outsider. And Felton's like, good. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: Also, uh, call callback to the original Planet of the Apes is that the primary use of, I don't want to say torture, but it is torture, is like a fire hose sort of aspect where they spray them inside the cages over and over again.
0: Yeah, I guess that's a callback. that, that that feels like something that's actually maybe just a real thing to me. <laughs> yeah, sounds real. Probably, I don't know, but, but but it was it's a thing that's
1: processed in both of them. So yes,
0: no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but we, yeah, we see them. see Caesar like be picked on, right? Rock at the other chimp, uh, gives him a lot of shit for wearing clothes, rips his top off. Um, yeah. Eventually, the the handlers step in and tranquilize them both, and that what 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 ends the fight. But Caesar not having a good time no he, starts he to, had a bad first day at school he starts to draw like his old window on the the cell wall so that he mm-hmm. can remind him of home so it's really sad and i think this is where the movie really gets into those moments where you're looking at his eyes and you're seeing what he's thinking and it, mm-hmm. you know it progresses throughout this half of the film but here it's maybe more so you know, heart fear you know, loneliness, that kind of thing. But later on, there's moments where you're looking at his eyes and you can see he's got a plan. You can see mm-hmm. that he's, like, lying and wait, waiting to enact what he's about to do. And that stuff is so much fun. And it's actually when he gets visited by Franco and that and they're not taking him away, He that's when he starts forming plans. That's when he starts, okay, if they're not going to save me, I'm going to save me. I'm going to make my life better. And it's mm-hmm. at that point where he starts, you know, try. okay, how do I when the other's over, how do I somehow solve this? And he ultimately ends up doing that by sneaking out of his cage, which actually mm. he's able to do that. We shouldn't gloss over this yeah. because Felton brings his friend and two girls into the, this the, the jail area. And he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, isn't this cool? And he starts electrocuting the cages and the girls are horrified. Cause obviously it's psychotic behavior. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> tiny, little, tiny little call over here is that they point out a uh, female ape who's in one of the cells, and they specifically call her by name as Cornelia, whereas yes. Cornelius was a character in the original Planet of the Apes as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a small one, but it's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool. But
1: again, it's just one of those things where every single time they make a callback, it seems like it's Tom Felton just like, look at that. That's a thing that we're doing from the original movie.
0: So... He's able to steal a knife off mm-hmm. the, the the guy's friend. He pulls him towards the cage and takes this knife out of his pocket, uh, the bottle opener on That's why he had it on him, because he was opening bottles of beer. Yeah. And he's got this knife now. He uses that to get out, and he breaks out the gorilla and effectively earns the gorilla's trust,
1: right? I think it's a great sequence, because obviously all these scenes involving the apes out in like this play area... None of them have any dialogue or anything. It's all told via no, facial so expression, physical a, thing like that.
0: A little bit between Maurice, because Maurice, the uh, right. orangutan, can already do sign language because he's from the circus, or she's from the circus. Mm. Uh, I think you get a little bit with them, but it's not much. It's like very minor. Like it is mostly it's, through it's, body language and things like that.
1: It's quite literally the things that could not be told through physical language. That's the only things they really reserve for Maurice, is the things that... It would have taken far too much effort and reliance on the audience understanding in order to get the plot points across. But no, uh, what I was saying was um, when the gorilla gets out, I think that's a beautiful little scene, though, because it gives kind of a moment for the gorilla of hesitancy, where you see that despite all the blustering behind the cage, all like the chest beating, as soon as the doors actually opened, he like he recoils back a little bit he's, he's like ah
0: i'm not supposed to go out there he's scared to go over the threshold you see him sort of hesitate mm-hmm. when he's getting towards the the door itself and then he yeah then he sort of runs around free and you almost think for a second he's chasing caesar like he's gunning for him but mm-hmm. he's not he's just he's just running free he's he's swinging yeah. around he's just feeling you know so now he's he's got this he then gets rocket out into the the play area the next day or whatever it is and mm-hmm. Rocket lands in the main area. This is the ape that's been picking on him. Caesar stands tall in front of him and then Rocket looks over and the gorilla, the heavy, the gorilla is standing there like... You will respect our leader Caesar, you little shit. Right?
1: As, as soon as Rocket exited out from like the cage entrance area, Caesar's yeah. standing there with like a gas can and just bashes him in the back of the <laughs> head to knock him down first. Just be yeah. like, what? Do something. I got a gorilla on my side. Which isn't I random. Dare you.
0: Because uh, Rocket hit him with that same can earlier yep. on. That, that was something mm-hmm. that was used earlier. So that was a direct callback of a sort of payback, if you want to call it that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the gorilla sort of backing him up. And what's important is that a lot of the other apes in the cages, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them can see into this area. So they mm-hmm. witness this transfer of power and sure enough, Rocket gets down on one knee and puts out his hand for you know permission and respect kind of thing. So it's like, okay, yeah. Caesar has won them over and this is what leads to Maurice saying through sign language, like, why are you becoming friends with Rocket? What's with that? <laughs> and he's like, Apes, you know, alone weak, and he snaps a stick, and he's like, "But apes together are strong." And he, you know, he, he... well, there, there is a sequence in between there, though. Um, it's the cookie
1: delivery thing. When
0: oh, is that he... before that scene? Okay,
1: yeah, because that's what he says. Why do you give a cookie to Rocket? What was that all about? So he manages to get his hands on like a bag of cookies that the guards leave around, and he specifically gets Rocket out of his cell, baits him with a cookie, and says, "Hey, you get a cookie." And he hands him the bag and says, now deliver these cookies to all the other apes. And it's kind of just trying to build up this thing of like, guys, we're in this together. It's we're comu- all yeah. friends here.
0: It's community. It's the idea that we look out right. for each other. Um, as a leader, he's going to help provide for all of them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, He's building all that stuff up. Uh, yep. So, but anyway, he says to Maurice, no, apes together strong. This, this is, you know, we build up a community. And then Maurice just kind of goes, "Ah, apes are idiots though. <laughs> Yeah, he looks down
1: and sees a couple of them just, like, smacking each other, and he's just like, oh,
0: yeah. Good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) So Caesar, of course, gets the idea to make them smart like him, and that leads Mm -hmm. to him breaking out properly that night to go back Mm -hmm. to the house. Uh, Even as, like, a really interesting little creepy moment where he's sort of standing over the bed with uh, Franco and Caroline sort of lying in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he goes to the fridge, gets out the the drug, and brings it back, and we get this... uh, Big moment where he rolls the canisters down the the aisle of the jail cell, mm-hmm. and all of the apes breathe it in, take a nice big whiff of this, uh you know, brain juice. And they do a great yeah. little thing here because it was pointed out at the start of the movie that the smart apes have green in their eyes. Yeah. So after he's done this, when they're coming out into the play area one by one, he's actually standing and checking all of their eyes to see that it's worked. So mm-hmm. another fun yeah. little bit just to sort of set it up and really give this idea and the payoff to all this uh, that i really like is brian cox is leaving for the day and he's leaving his kid in charge and yeah. he's he's walking out and he just happens to glance over to the play area and the apes are clearly having a meeting like caesar's on like a rock and he's slowly talking to them all and mm-hmm. they're all just sort of standing quietly and then he walks over like that's weird and then when they notice he's watching they all just sort of start uh oh uh, yes ooh, ooh, ooh. you know pretend to be apes eek, eek. yes throw my poo Except Whatever. Caesar, who just looks yeah. over your shoulder at him like, "I'm coming for you." <laughs> I,
1: but I know this isn't like how the scene is. But all I could imagine when I saw that is this is how Jeff Bezos looks at Amazon union unions
0: forming. <laughs> he's like, "Look at you." dirty apes all standing around trying to do something he probably has about as much respect for his workers the than this yep. character does for the apes in this movie no doubt so just to go back um and cover
1: how we got to this drug being made and why it was in the fridge and all that so back at Genesis, like we said Coba's being uh he's patient number one they've started up the thing again trying to get the alzheimer drug working and during the very first application we see that Coba's strapped down, they're applying it via an aerosol, and every one of the humans is wearing gas masks because it is a virus and it should not be inhaled. But during the application, Coba manages to break free of his restraint, and our monkey trainer Franklin is not his gas mask is knocked off, he accidentally inhales the virus, and they just continue on like nothing changed. But as we see throughout the next few scenes, Franklin is not okay. Franklin is immediately dripping blood from his nose. He's like got super high fever sort of stuff going on. And throughout this next few sequences, we see that he essentially has to skip work because he's sick. He tries talking to James Franco while he's out and uh, ends up sneezing on the neighbor. And the neighbor turns out to be a pilot, which we will end up getting to later.
0: Um, oh yeah but we, the, don't, we don't know that at this point we don't find that out until the mid credit nah. scene that's yeah yeah you're jumping but way then, ahead with that reveal david come on now. i mean it's whatever
1: we're all in spoilers now uh but the the one thing is that because it seems that the drug is working because coba has gotten smarter james franco takes the drug he steals some more for his dad and when he goes to apply it to his dad his dad essentially wakes up and says like no like, don't do it. It's it's yeah. basically but, my time.
0: Notably, without any, without saying anything, though, no, he just like mm-hmm. puts his hand on his and just shakes his head at him, like, no. And it's, and it's yeah. interesting because this moment of uh, coherence that perhaps he doesn't really have anymore because of his illness. So it's mm-hmm. it's like a really sort of bittersweet kind of moment. And I think probably the best character moment that James Franco has in this whole movie is his acceptance of this and like he he makes the choice not because part of me I think the first time I watched this expected him to do it anyway yeah right but he doesn't he does put it aside and he just he, he accepts his dad's wishes he realizes this is what his dad wants and he's not going to do it and of course when he wakes up in the morning he's uh he's passed away i yep. i think w- what I like about this, and I don't know if this is even an intentional thing, but this idea that his final moment of communication is a lot more like the original communication of the apes, which is, no, like, when Caesar first started communicating, mm. he couldn't speak or anything like He wasn't doing sign language. It was just simple, you know, shaking of head, you know, simple gestures to express yes or no yeah. and things like that. I love the idea that, like... And his end, John Lithgow's character, like his last bit of communication, was a lot more like how the apes started off in this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah. also, still like with that understanding of the yeah.
0: larger ramifications.
1: Like it isn't stupid, but it is no, no, of course,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, that's really good stuff. So that's why he's got a bunch of it in the uh, in the fridge, which I guess also kind of explains why it works so well with the apes because it's not the same one that Caesar's mum got. It's actually the uh, the next right. generation of it. So yeah. Mm-hmm works well enough and i think by that point they've also also already said that koba who's had this is already showing the the perfect intelligence that caesar has
1: it's like one day after he gets the dosing jacobs walks in and he sees koba writing the word jacobs onto a whiteboard (laughs) and i gotta tell you if i saw if i walked into a lab and there was an animal writing my last name there regardless of my relation with that animal i would freak the hell out
0: I would leave the country. I'd move yeah. <laughs> move somewhere else, get away from them as quickly as possible. <laughs> I've seen horror movies that start this way. We don't go that route. Uh yeah. So, right. So, the the moment. The moment of this movie that everyone remembers, it's, and yeah. I do think it might be the single best like callback to a previous movie and used in a way that isn't just a callback. It actually advances the story. Mm. It's a really fun play on it. So, After he's made all the apes smart, Caesar stands alone in the the play area, right? And Tom Felton notices him and is like, what the hell are you doing in there? And he goes in and this is all planned. And Caesar's really thought about this because there's like a sniper spot for the tranquilizer gun, right? Mm -hmm. So the other guy goes up there. But Caesar's thought about this because where he's standing is obscured by the tree. So he's intentionally luring them into a spot that's a bit harder to hit. Yeah. But Felton's getting aggressive. He's got his shock baton out. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's he's coming at him. He's saying things to him, whatever. He starts swinging. He, he zaps him a couple of times and he's swinging at him. Caesar's trying to block and duck and, and whatnot. And eventually Caesar grabs his arm. And of course, Tom Felton says, you know, the line from the original movie, get your hand off me, you damn dirty ape, which in the original movie, the context of that line was that up until that point in the movie, Charlton Heston's character couldn't speak because he was... uh, It hit really hard in the throat or something like that. I can't remember the exact reason for it. But Mm -hmm. he couldn't speak for a lot of the movie. So he was trying to show that he was intelligent and he couldn't because he couldn't speak. And... When an ape grabs him and says whatever, that's the first line Charlton Heston says. He says, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Or your stinking paws. Whatever the exact line was. I'm paraphrasing slightly. So Felton says that line and then... I always forget this until I rewatch it again, but it, this isn't only the first time Caesar says something, the way the camera kind of comes in as he like straightens up, like he oh, sort of yeah. like really pumps out his chest and then Caesar says, no. And it, you know, it's, it's this big moment, this deep rumble. And I love the reaction shot on the gorilla's face. The gorilla mm-hmm. is absolutely shook that Caesar has just said a word that Caesar has just said yeah. something to the humans and obviously the other humans freaking out as well. But I love this because yes, it is a reference. It is a reference to the original film. It is a callback. But it's such a good callback because it flips it. It has the human say the yeah. line and then the ape and his first ever word be like, no. And, it's, like, and well, it's so it's so good as a first word though, because it's such a simple word, right? You can you can believe oh, yeah. that a baby's first word could be no. It could oh, be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I,
1: I think that this is so great because Obviously, it's at a different point in the movie than what it was in the original one. That was kind of like the midpoint of the original movie. That's just the end of
0: Act 2, kind of of Act 3. exactly.
1: But this serves that same purpose and manages to use the exact same line, where in the old movie, you know, you say, take your stinking paws off me, it's a big moment there. But in this, it's nothing. It's just a line a character is saying. It doesn't have any weight on its own. But then using that no in response makes it so that moment it, with with the other one yeah. being included is the exact same beat it's that big moment of like everything has just changed in like the entirety of the movie from this point on
0: yeah it, it takes it and it would be a cheap reference but then because caesar says no and you realize oh they've just used it in the same moment effectively mm-hmm. That's what makes it feel so special, and I almost wish that every other little reference they made wasn't in the movie because it would just make this even better. If this yeah. was the only reference they at all made, like I think when he goes to get the other guy just before this scene, the other guy's watching a Charlton Heston movie on TV. I think that's like a little cute nod. Yeah. That one doesn't bother me though because it's like ah, he's just watching an old Charlton Heston movie. It's yeah. not. It's not like it was Planet of the Apes. That would have been too much.
1: Oh yeah, no. If he's if, if they're riding horseback down that beach, and then it's like, okay, <laughs> well, hold on
0: now. Yeah, actually, there's a little one that I always forget about. Is this is much much earlier in the movie? I think it's right before the neighbor bit. Caesar's mm-hmm. playing with like a Statue of Liberty toy, and I thought, all right, very good. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah.
1: I didn't even notice that. Um, one thing that's kind of interspersed throughout that I think at this point has basically entirely wrapped up, but it's like a background plot that's going on is. There is a mission to Mars thing going on. And they show like oh, no, oh no, the no, astronauts no. are on their way.
0: I, I think you're mis because I, I was surprised watching it that it doesn't start until quite late on. Like we are oh, over and o- okay. we are over and at over this movie before it's mentioned. And it's only two okay. things that it, it comes up, I think. Is there's a bit of the news that you hear, which mm-hmm. is that there's a mission to space, and then a little bit later you see a newspaper arrive at the neighbor's house i think it is that and it says um you know uh astronauts lost, missing or yeah lost in space or something like that yeah mm-hmm. um, which obviously this is a, a bunch of cute references to the fact that in the original movie charlton heston's character and his crew were astronauts who traveled through time to the future earth yeah. right um so this is I an actually... implication that someday they may go back and do a movie where these astronauts right. land and you know effectively that's remake what, the original movie at that point
1: that's what i like because obviously not every franchise you know marvel movie stuff like that they can plan far enough ahead but they don't know the end game of wherever they're going to all the time mm. this one because it's a prequel to what we're already we already know is going to happen like we know what planet of the apes is They can lay these seeds down super early on, so that way, whenever they hit that point, whenever they want to explore that, they already have it. They're like, here you go. We've already established in our universe that these astronauts went missing, so we'll just run with that now. I think it's just, it's not exactly in the forefront, but it's done with enough forethought that it's
0: clever in my eyes. Mm. It's it's a cute reference that I I think I like it because it is just like a, a quick fleeting mention. Oh, there was a mission to space and the astronauts seem to have be lost. Like mm-hmm. if it was any more than that, if we saw their faces, I think it's a very intentional choice that you don't see what these astronauts look like because yeah. one day we may cast them <laughs> because yeah. they may be in a movie sometime.
1: I also uh, really like the implication that it is the day pretty much that the astronauts go missing is when everything else goes to hell. It isn't this like <laughs> slow decline. It's like, no, you guys got out in the nick
0: of time. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the big reasons why this isn't a prequel to the original film and its timeline mm. is because this movie actually is kind of a loose remake of the fourth Planet of the Apes movie. Conquest for Planet of the Apes is basically okay. a rudimentary version of this, but it's set in the future. It's not set in present day. It's, mm. it's uh, a future where things have changed and apes are being used almost as like slaves. Uh, in present day um hmm. so it, it's you know i mean it's not that far in the future i guess because technically the plot of three is that apes from the future come back to present day i'm getting into some with the weird like timey way made i was gonna say to this is this like now. the
1: far off future of 2004 sort of thing going oh
0: probably on? yeah well keep yeah. in mind it was made in the 70s like right. that movie so it probably mm-hmm. would, would have been but um th- this feels a lot more grounded than Mm -hmm. like those sequels to the original film ever did uh yeah and i don't necessarily need them to redo the original movie's plot and it would have to be very different for a lot of reasons um Mm -hmm. or the very least it'd have to be set so far in the future that you i I can just buy that things have changed a lot since the time of caesar because it doesn't feel like the caesar that we have in these movies and i'm talking maybe more about two and three at this point than i am this one but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like the caesar in those movies would let the society that exists in the original plot of the Apes come mm-hmm. to be. You know, it feels like he's yeah. better than that, and that's actually something we're getting to right now. Is that Caesar doesn't actually want to kill people. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. harm them. He goes out of his way to protect some of them uh, throughout yeah, so, this entire last act.
1: Yeah, when they're when they're breaking. So once he takes out uh Tom Felton, he goes and he frees all the other apes from their cages, and then the other guard shows up and the apes start. Bum rushing him, they start beating the crap out of him, But Caesar steps up and just like, nope, we are better than them. We are not going to kill this man. And, and he, they he,
0: just lock him up. Yeah, But a little detail I love there is that when he picks the guy up, he puts his arm around him to be like, it's okay. Like you're going to be. O-. He doesn't say this. Obviously, he's not speaking. Like, I know he said mm-hmm. no. He doesn't say anything else now till the end of the movie. Like, he's, it's not like he's just putting yeah. out soliloquies silico- now. But he he, he, he sort of puts his arm around him and put sort of guides him into the cage to just sort of say it'll be okay. You get in here. You, like. Be safe from the rest of the apes. Mm. You're going to be okay. Like, he's very sort of caring the way he does it. Um, yeah. And yeah, Tom Felton ends up dead like a second later, but it's kind of his own fault because he he, oh, yeah. he can't resist trying to fight them. And he pulls out he... his shock baton. So when Caesar hits him with the, the water hose, yeah. he fries and it's kind of satisfying. But it's... Oh, absolutely. It's, it's
1: 100% a like, well, how were we supposed to know that he was going to do that sort of
0: thing? rather than a no we wanted him to fry well not to be to be fair though i think caesar's reaction to this moment is perfect like he looks he's not happy that he's just killed this man despite the fact that he was a complete yeah. prick the performance on the face tells you what he's feeling mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you can read that on him completely so yeah that that's kind of that segment uh, and from here it's like okay now they go into the city i
1: i do want to point out i love how there's multiple sequences in this movie where like Caesar is looking at the lock system and like all the different things because there's a big skylight on their center playroom and the tree goes up pretty much to the skylight but he's looking at like the lock system and he show how he specifically managed to escape from it that one night when he went out and got the drugs but when it comes to this time when all the apes are escaping they just bash through the glass like there's they don't care about being subtle anymore they're like screw it we're out of here and they just immediately crash through all of it without worrying about the locks so it kind of makes it feel like those other lock picking scenes were a bit unnecessary but obviously they were needed for the plot to evolve as it did
0: yeah i don't think i agree with that. what you just said No, <laughs> oh? all right well no because caesar cares but like the entire group of apes do they all care about being patient and waiting oh, for him no, to no, open no. The door like I, I get that
1: i'm more so saying it from the viewpoint of like if the apes were angry enough prior to being smart they could have busted through this glass at any time that's the part that was getting me, like it—it it wasn't actually secure the whole time.
0: Wait, are you talking about the skylight?
1: Yeah, yeah. They just, when they're when they're go at the very end, there, like Caesar knows how to unlock it, but all of them just start busting through the glass regardless. And obviously, they could have busted through the glass when they were. Normal chimps, as well.
0: well, because they didn't have uh, a sense of direction. It's like, again, th- this is them organized, this is them moving yeah. in a group, this is them with a purpose, and they never had a purpose before. They just kind of, you know, they were in their enclosure and got fed what slop then, they were given that, and, you know, lived day to day. That was just kind of their were life. Broken. Yeah, I got that. But I'm, I'm just saying that, like, they gave a
1: whole lot of time on Caesar learning how to unlock that stuff and learning the codes. And for it to not matter in that last shot anyway, it just seemed funny to me. I'm not saying it's bad storytelling. It just seemed funny to me that, like, they had the keys and they still chose to break the window anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't think it is because I think it is Caesar versus the rest of them as a group. And I don't Mm. think they all ever cared about that. (laughs) Eh, True. So... They go into the city. We see them going through the trees and the streets, and that looks really good. Uh, they mm-hmm. have two main stops before their ultimate end goal, which is the zoo, to break out all the apes that are at the zoo. So the gorilla yep. bashes into the cage and the, brings down the fence. And this is mm-hmm. where actually they start taking parts of the fence as spears. So they've got yes. spears for the rest of their journey. Uh, I think it's before that they go to the lab to break out all the apes that are at the at the lab.
1: Yeah, so there's a subplot where once uh, they restart the ALZ-113 testing, we actually see that they source some of them, their apes from this sanctuary. So mm-hmm. uh, Caesar recognizes the symbol on, from when he visited the lab on some of their like paperwork
0: or whatever, and he's like, oh,
1: there's still apes there. We got to go see them.
0: Yeah, then they go get them, and it makes sense that those apes are already smart they probably get more of the canisters here you don't see them mm-hmm. giving the canisters to the apes from the zoo but you you just probably fill in the blanks and assume that they yeah. do mm-hmm. uh but yeah there's a great shot here though where the boss man comes into the main like sort of foyer of the building and he looks up and because it's a circular like foyer with all these balconies going around he looks mm-hmm. up and there's just like these rows of apes looking down at him and he shits a brick as <laughs> you might expect him to yeah <laughs> I love he's on the
1: phone and they literally this character is never redeemable at any point in this movie. He doesn't do a single good thing. So he's on the phone talking to his like assistant and the assistant's like, um, sir, there's been some major problems. And he's just like, I don't care about that. I'm going to make money. And then he
0: <laughs> walks into the room and immediately gets attacked by a bunch of apes. Love yeah. it. Well, he gets out though, because he gets the helicopter because his big finale is mm-hmm. in the helicopter. But uh he, uh he he goes... So Franco kind of predicts where they're going, and this is all leading up to our our big uh, set piece on the bridge. There's a couple of fun moments though that they put in a lot of the trailers before that. Though Uh, the Mm -hmm. apes like riding on top of the tram in San Francisco is a great big shot where it's like Caesar, uh, the orangutan, the gorilla, and Rocket all sort of like sort of united, kind of standing Mm -hmm. side by side, looks really cool. There's
1: there's one point where very early on one of the apes gets captured by an animal control guy. And he just loads them up in the truck, just like, all right, I did my part. And then immediately Spears just start going through the hood of his truck. And (laughs) I think it's Rocket comes in and frees whatever ape was captured in the back.
0: Yeah, there's a great shot, though, looking up at Caesar, sort of looking down and being handed a spear. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, he feels like he's in charge now. It feels like he's the big guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Like I say, the performance in his eyes, like in all these bits, like it's, it's like just before his plan is enacted, there's a moment where... He's just sitting in his cage and he's just sort of looking from side to side. And you can see that he's th- he's got something planned. You know he's mm-hmm. got something planned based on the performance. It's so good. So, yeah, all this stuff on the bridge is really exciting. They, they, pl- they really play with this. It's a really misty day uh, across yeah. the bridge. So we play with the fact that there's like a wall of fog halfway down. Also, part of the way up as well, because some of the apes climb up the, you know, the spikes of the bridge and they go into mm-hmm. the fog some of the orangutans go under the bridge and are sort of climbing like monkey bars across yes, the way. Yes, um, I underneath.
1: I do really appreciate the fact that, I mean, all of this is just because Caesar is aware that at the far side of the bridge, blocking them from getting to the Redwoods is a police force that is going to open fire. So this is Caesar kind of strategizing and saying, okay, here's how we're going to get past them. But I really do appreciate the fact that it's all based around stuff that apes and chimps can do that man can't. Yes, Like, it's it's something where it's showing, no, here's why we're superior. Here's why we deserve to be able to do this over them.
0: Yeah, and it's satisfying because, like, you're really rooting for the apes at this part of the movie. Like, you're on mm-hmm. their side. You want them to get to the, the woods and find their happiness or whatever. And I love a lot of this stuff. I love, like, five gorillas flipping a bus and then, like, sliding yep. it down the street as a big shield from all the bullets. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That looks so good. Oh, yeah absolutely
1: Uh, and and i love the bit where the the police just see the bus approaching through the bus and they're like "Uh, fire i guess like we don't (laughs) what are we supposed to do here
0: yeah and obviously the apes like overrun them because you've got the aryatines coming up from underneath you've got Mm -hmm. uh the gorillas and the the chimps all coming in yeah and they they get their asses kicked and this whole time franco's running to try to get to caesar and You know, get them back. (laughs) Yeah. There is one shot just before the apes all launched their attack, and that is there
1: were police horses that were Mm. attacking them first on this bridge, and they managed to take them out. But the, I think, like, shot that defines the movie in terms of imagery is you have Caesar riding this horse essentially
0: into battle, leading the charge of these apes against the police. So... Yeah, it's something that more apes do in the second movie. It becomes more mm-hmm. of a normal thing. But yeah, it's a big deal that he's riding the horse <laughs> in, yep. in this. And there's like a couple of good moments here. There's a bit where, uh, in fact, probably before that, because it's, it's one of the policemen on a horse, starts hitting the gorilla in the face with mm-hmm. uh, his baton. And the gorilla's sort of, like, taking it and grabs the guy off the horse. And this is another example of Caesar being like, no, don't kill him because the gorilla's about to smash him. And some people do die in this scene. Like, the the, the gorilla does throw some people off the bridge at one point later when he gets angry. But Caesar is clearly trying repeatedly to not have needless casualties for no reason. Mm. He's doing his best. Um, Obviously, the one time he makes an exception... Is when the helicopter with the boss on it, who's been firing a machine gun into the into the apes and the on the bridge, mm-hmm. when they take down this this the, the gorilla jumps and die. In fact, He actually does it to protect Caesar because they're firing the gun at Caesar, and mm-hmm. the gorilla pushes them out of the way and jumps onto the, the chopper, brings it down. It's dangling off, over the edge of the bridge, and the boss man's like pleading and like trying to crawl all, all, out before the helicopter falls. And Caesar doesn't kill him, but he doesn't save him either. He's like, I'm going to let someone with more of a personal vendetta make that choice. And then out walks Koba and immediately boss man's like, no, not you. <laughs> not you. Which
1: I i really do appreciate the fact that like I think that for most people all of the chimps are going to look similar. All of them are just going to like you could tell apart an orangutan, a gorilla and a chimp, but I appreciate the fact that the boss specifically recognized Koba and was like, oh no, this one I sunk all of my efforts into will be my
0: undoing. Yes, I made him super smart, and now he wants revenge. So Koba just kicks the... just It's not even a kick, it's just a little nudge. He just sort of pushes the chopper that's teetering Ooh. on the edge off into the water, and it's a big yep. thing. But I, I really can't oversell uh, how great a lot of this sequence is, you know, that them climbing up into the fog and coming out of mm-hmm. the fog and... Uh, the action here is very good because it's not an action movie like for most of the runtime it's it's you know it's the oh, yeah. it's the plot building and then it's the caesar character building of him being in this other uh, it's a jailbreak movie at a certain point mm-hmm. and then it turns into this big set piece this big you know blockbuster style sequence and it's a really good sequence and because the movie's not littered with them it feels kind of special when you do get to this point
1: oh yeah if they had other sequences like if they had a i can imagine a lesser movie having a sequence where it's like oh, gorilla escapes from zoo, and they have a whole subsequence of just showing Mm. them, like, this gorilla rampaging around before it's finally caught by animal control. It's like, eh. I'm, I'm glad we didn't have that. I think this it does make this last sequence that little bit of, like, no, you've been waiting all movie to see what these apes can do. Here you go.
0: It makes the whole thing very well paced, and as much as we said some of the human decisions early on feel really quick, if you look at the movie as a whole, it does feel like it's crescendoing very well in terms of, Mm -hmm. like, getting bigger, the spectacle building, the drama building. And again, it's mostly on the Caesar side because it's his story. But I think when you get to this end, it's very exhilarating because it's done such a good job handling that and because it hasn't just given you little action set pieces earlier on for the sake of, you know, oh, the audience will get bored, We have to give them one at the end of act one just to keep them entertained. No, no, no. I mean,
1: I... I will say, we skipped over it, but the very, very, very beginning of this movie was actually a sequence of the chimps being caught in Africa, like yeah. they're being hunted down by poachers.
0: Yeah, you're right. Honestly, it's it's very forgettable, though I never really remember yeah. this happened when I'm talking about yeah. this movie, but you're right, technically there's a quick sequence where Caesar's mom is captured in, in Africa. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's just that opening up with action, and then, like we said, you don't really get that again until, I'd say, the neighbor attack scene, honestly. And even then, it's
0: it's just a little mm. tease. It's a little tease yeah. of what's to come later. Um, It's not until the third act, really, where you get all of the action. I and mean, it's why there's a lot of the third act in the trailers, because they obviously wanted to sell the movie. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Look at all this excitement. Um, But I think the movie's better for building to it and not just mm-hmm. try to sprinkle it throughout. Well, sometimes that's the right choice. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think that works for every story. But I think for this one, it would feel... Mm disingenuous to what the premise is to just try and shoehorn in some earlier in the movie
1: oh yeah it's it's the difference between like old star trek and new star trek of planet Mm. of the apes has always been a lot more about the philosophical of like what does it mean to have a soul to want personhood to have like control or dominance over another species entirely sort of thing
0: well let's be honest here i mean that's is the analogy is going more into how humans treat other humans. It's more about, yeah. you know, the the people in control and then the the minority or the, the you know, whether it's a race, a country or whatever, like mm-hmm. p- the people in control controlling the ones who are not. And obviously this movie doesn't handle it in the same way that the original did because this movie, we're not at that point yet. But it definitely, it, if anything, I'd probably compare this movie to more about the, a movie with a robot and that it's like you've created a life form, that is self-aware and can think for itself and okay so now we have to treat that with the same respect that we do another human it's kind of like that but just with an yeah. ape you know it's has a living being to begin with but you yeah. know
1: no i mean i think that's that maps pretty well honestly i feel like i've seen that movie i can't remember exactly which one it would have been
0: sure but, yeah. yeah but you can sort of draw a lot of parallels there between mm-hmm. those two ideas and uh yeah it's very good uh mm-hmm so the end of the movie, Franco does catch up. There's actually a moment where he yells Caesar's name, and Caesar knows that he's there. But then the action kind of kicks in again, so he has to kind of ignore him. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like on the bridge, yeah, yeah. But they get to the woods, and James Franco steals yep. a, a cop car. Not that any of the cops care, because they're all dead. But he, yeah. <laughs> or knocked out at the very least. So he drives the cop car to catch up, and they get to the the woods, and Coba is about to like hurt, uh, f- you know, Franco uh, yeah. here. And Caesar has to step in and make it clear that though, no, this is not to happen. And Frank I'm okay with you hurting a lot of people, <laughs> but this
1: one specifically, really not okay with.
0: But to be fair, he's been stopping a lot of them from
2: killing
1: lots oh, of not bystanders. Sa- yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not okay with killing, but like Kobo has been allowed a lot of free range to just you know Hulk
0: out more or less. Mm. So Franco showing how a his character is at this point is still saying, "Hey, come back with me. I can protect you." And I'm like, "Dude, this guy has evolved so much beyond just being your like son in your house. Like he's way past that now." And yeah. it, but I think it is very fulfilling when Caesar sort of pulls him in for a hug and just into his ear says, "Caesar is home." And Franco, mm-hmm. t- much like with his father, when his father didn't want the drug again. He kind of quickly accepts your home and he kind of smiles and realizing you know what my boy's grown up and <laughs> i have to let him fly in his world <laughs> i read that the same way let me make that
1: clear is i i read that as a you know what I'm, I'm proud of him he's become so much more than i ever thought he could be and letting him go however there's a moment like the moment that caesar says caesar is home and franco kind of recoils and he grins he's like okay caesar is home it's heartfelt but all I can imagine is that his head is immediately just exploding with the fact of, oh my god, I made a talking ape,
0: I, I did that. Well, and obviously, I have yeah, us all. He's in shock as well because yeah. the ape's talking. I mean, he did hear that he spoke because the guy in the you know the other guy that was in the uh, mm-hmm. the sanctuary, they found him obviously when they were chasing the apes down, and he's like, he spoke. Your ape spoke, uh, yeah. but he's not heard it himself yet. So this is still a, a well, shock to the that- system
1: even then there's a difference i'm assuming maybe he got more info it's like okay what does he say he said no it's like okay no is a pretty easy word like he said babies say no (laughs) but then he gets pulled into a hug by his ape son and the ape's just full sentence caesar is home it's like oh all right well i'm gonna have to rethink everything about my life now have fun (laughs) caesar
0: I think that I I like that he doesn't start saying a lot. I I like that it's just no and then this. It's a sentence, but it's a very simple sentence. It's a very, you know, arguably even kind of a stilted sentence because he's not, you know, Mm. because, you know, if he was speaking, if he was very fluent in language, he'd probably say Caesar's home. You know, he'd condense it a bit. He'd be speaking in first
1: person. As well, yeah. It's see like, will,
0: yeah. I'd hate to inform you of
1: this, but I won't be returning home with you. You see, I found my people here in oh, the redwoods. Does he have a monocle in this version of the yes. scene that
0: you're describing? Okay, top
1: hat and everything.
0: All right, but no, he, like, I think it's a, it's a good moment. And then the movie ends with him with the other apes running up the trees, climbing up the trees, and it ends in the same shot of him looking out at the city. Now mm-hmm. with other apes, you know, and they're together. They're in the redwoods. It's all very it- nice. And, uh, and as long as nothing
1: happens to humanity to force them out of cities, the apes will remain in the redwoods and will not disturb anything.
0: I, I get why you're saying it in that tone, but I think it's a bit misleading. No, oh, yeah.
1: i mean honestly if the movie ended here it would just be a great little standalone thing on its own because at this point there is nothing that is threatening humanity like as much as it is these apes are super intelligent they were able to strategize well like we always have the nuclear option we've always got like a full military we can bring in the the cops they overwhelmed were state patrolmen like not top tier stuff sure so There's no real threat to humanity at this point from the apes. It's only because of the the, other subplot going on.
0: Yeah, like, the the apes, it feels like they're going to be content just being separate from everyone now. Like, just leave Mm -hmm. them alone. They'll be fine, and they won't hurt anyone. Uh, So, yeah, I I think think there's a a genuine debate, though, if they should have set up the other thing. Because I don't know if they need to. You know, the the whole thing with the other guy getting sick and then Mm -hmm. sneezing on the guy, the neighbour who in the mid credit scene turns out he's a pilot and he's going to be flying all over the globe. And the, the indication being here is that this virus is going to be what kills a large portion of the, mm-hmm. the population, leading it to being a post-apocalypse. Because, you know, the next movie is a post-apocalyptic movie where we're in that right. part of the timeline next. So there's still some humans, of course, next movie, and, and the third one as well. But
1: mm-hmm. we I have
0: mean, a big change I- from this one to the next.
1: Yeah, as we know in Planet of the Apes, as a franchise, there's always humans. Humans manage to survive yes. all the way through, but it's just significantly decimated. But in for your one point of whether or not they needed to do it in this movie, I kind of think they needed to. Because I can't, unless we spend were to spend a bunch of the second movie like showing how humanity somehow lost its edge technologically, I, I think we needed a way to kind of even out the apes and the humans in terms of tech and ability to face down against each other you know
0: yeah i'm just i don't know if you need to explain specifically what virus killed off a lot of the humans oh
1: no i don't think we needed an exact explanation like they gave but i do think they needed to end this movie showing humanity is about to be decimated through something
0: of their own making I still don't know if I agree with that though I I, I I remember thinking this med credit scene was a bit on the nose like ah oh, I, don't, I don't really need like a little tease of like ah and humanity is going to crumble like I don't need it like you could just you know next movie we're in a post-apocalypse and just have some thin references to you know something brought the humans down and we don't know exactly what um and just you know have have some references to it i I don't know if you need an explanation I, I really don't know if you need it I don't know I, I think I like it more
1: with it and it's not I think what you're saying in terms of having the second movie just have a brief little reference would honestly feel a lot more cheap. I think that this, because it was such a background subplot, it barely ne- had needed any exploration at all to the point where it was basically all wrapped up not just in the mid credit scene, but literally over the end credits when they show, like, the globe and how this pilot is hopping around infecting people. Um,
0: I just, I felt like it, the rest of the movie was about Caesar's story. And this subplot and this little, like, oh, that's spreading at the end was more about yeah. just trying to tie in to where we know Plot of the Apes is roughly going to go rather than because it was important to this movie's story. And I, I think yeah. there's a distinction there for me that it feels like I didn't really need it. I, I I think it could have been at the very least more subtle and not, look at this, the map, and the, the line's going mm-hmm. where all the plane's going, and, like, he's spreading the virus everywhere. Like, kind like of you th-
1: you think it should have been just as much background as, like, the astronaut thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like just just no. something on the news where someone says, oh, there's a virus, and uh, you know, pick a random country. And, mm-hmm. you know, scientists or people are in quarantine. It's unexplained. That's it. That's all you need.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could see that working as well. I think it is that they were franchise minded. Obviously, they called this Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think that they already kind of had in mind that if this one did well, they were going to keep going with it. And they knew that they didn't want to spend time in the second movie, like, doing that little flash aside saying like, oh well, a virus or something killed a bunch of people, blah blah. Don't worry about it. They just wanted it over and done with in this movie. So
0: I just I don't think you need it because I feel like the majority of post apocalyptic movies or stories don't feel the need to overly explain what some some do. Some like to yeah. go into it, but a lot of them just be like, oh no, like, you know, things happen. Either it was nuclear war, like like a Mad Max yeah. or it was a virus that wiped a lot of people out. And because of that, now we're in this state. And I think that's fine. I, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that's you know, it's called Rise. And obviously they were hoping for sequels. Of course they are. It's a studio. But <laughs> I will say, right. So two, two points on the name of this and also the sequels is that I hate that they think the audience is dumb and they have to get the full Planet of the Apes title in there mm. because Rise of the Apes would be much easier to say and flow off the tongue much better Dawn of the Mm. Apes, War of the Apes, much better. The fact that they have to have, like, the the fact that Of the appears in the title twice is really clunky to me, and I think it makes it a bad title.
1: Well, in fairness, it's War for the Planet of the Apes. Oh, the third one changed (laughs) slightly, right? I mean, you're right. I think it is clunky titling, but to be fair, that's how the original like five movies did it as well. It's just yeah, been a constant throughout. And they're
0: clunky too. We can they improve are. things. Yeah. <laughs> right? Point number two is that just looking at these three movies, they're all named incorrectly. This one should be Dawn because mm. Dawn's the start of something. The second one is more of a war than the third movie is. So the second one should be called War for the Apes. And the yeah. third one should be called... Rise because rise. it's leaning into the future of the apes being like the dominant thing. Yeah. They're all I mean, I all...
1: haven't seen the third one, so I can't justify but yeah. I,
0: I yeah. They're all titled wrong. <laughs> that's fair. But hey, it is what it is. It's not mm. that big a deal, but I wanted to just complain about it. <laughs> no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> Look, we we've had over on Collector's Cup, we've had entire things about the Fast and Furious naming. I think we're allowed oh. to complain
0: a little bit about Planet of the Apes naming oh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh wild stuff. Um mm. so this movie's very good. i you know, I think we we talked about why it's good, why you know why Caesar's story is so good is because it makes him a character. Arguably a better character as an ape than any of the original movies ever really had. Right? Mm. And obviously if you go back and watch those movies, you know, it's people in costumes and it's it's kinda it's got a novelty to it and but it is very dated, right? It's a very dated looking thing and i love the right. original movie the original movie is a great great film but it does does have that inherent goofiness to it because it is people in these outfits and masks mm-hmm. this takes that and it's like no, no no the ape is the main character you're going to sympathize with him you're going to care about his plight you're going to feel bad for him because of what the humans are doing to him and you're going to root for him to win and mm-hmm. ultimately that's what this movie is and i think it handles that very very well
1: yeah, I think it's a sign of strong writing the fact that, yes, there are some humans in this movie that are dicks, that are just bad people in general, but not all of them are. No, Obviously, not all. James Franco's family. And I think it's strong writing that you can have there be good humans in the movie, and yet somehow you're still rooting for humanity to lose this battle. Typically, whenever you have these sort of stories, All of humanity kind of has to be at fault for whatever's happening Mm. in order for you to not root for humanity. So I think it's really a sign that you are able to emotionally bond with Caesar over this movie where you're like, nah, he deserves this. Give it to him.
0: I think it's very easy to sympathize with the characters who are looked down upon as lessers by the others. You know, the idea Mm. that they're put in cages, they're never going to be given any kind of rights similar to humans the way they're treated throughout the film the way caesar's treated throughout the film it's very easy to even you know as we said with franco's character the strongest thing about that character in a lot of ways is that he is kind of entitled and despite the fact that he has the best interest for caesar at heart as far as he thinks he does anyway ultimately he's still wrong about what what he wants for caesar and i think Mm. that's part of the heart of the film is that even the good quote unquote characters are still maybe wrong about what's best for him and that's part of the journey
1: yeah, it kind of, I mean, I don't want to get too political with this, so I'll just throw this at this. It kind of feels like the people who are, like, racist view certain, like, other races and stuff like that. But then you have those people who are like, oh, no, I'm not racist, but, like, you should listen to what we have to say because we know what's best for you sort of mm. thing. It's, it's like they don't mean to come off as awful or mean about it. They're doing what they think is right, but it's still a dehumanizing aspect to it
0: yeah 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 i would argue maybe franco's character is not as extreme as that but yeah i can see what your right. comparison is for sure mm-hmm. uh yeah no i think that's there uh it would have been nice if maybe you know some of the other side characters had a bit more fleshing out but maybe that would have ruined yeah. the pacing i mean it's hard to say maybe the choices that were made to cut things i think there is deleted scenes in the extras i've not actually got around to watching them but maybe oh, okay maybe yeah,
1: there's some i haven't stuff seen in anything. There. I mean, I think that the character who makes it out the worst in terms of any sort of major characterization is Caroline, but I can't think of anything I really want her to do otherwise, so...
0: Yeah, because there's a moment where she's distracting the cops uh, to let Franco sort of run past them on the bridge, and she does a whole thing mm-hmm. where she kisses him first, and I'm like, this maybe be a big moment where she's kissing him, but I just feel like I don't care about... <laughs> about no.
1: you know, Literally, as soon as we get past the second age gap where we see uh, them grow up in the Redwoods, they're just making out on a picnic blanket yeah. like, down in the road. Like it's not a big deal. They're kissing. It's just a big deal that like, Oh, he might be running off to his death by chasing these apes. That's what it's supposed to be a sign of, but it doesn't do anything for Caroline.
0: Nah. Yeah. So it's very good. and I, I think it's worth mentioning as well as like, because we have had some things that we can poke at with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a very good film, but I do think it's the weakest of the three. So mm. that's a good sign going forward. If I'm saying yeah. that, despite how positive I'm being, it's you know, like so good things lie ahead for for talking about this right. this trilogy, which is why I think Kingdom's got a really tough task because not only is it coming out a bit later, none of the people are involved for the most part. Mm. Maybe, maybe there's some like you know deep level producers or something that are the same, but you know the the, the director's someone new and so on. Mm. It's also trying to live up to some of the best recent science fiction movies. Uh, Dawn in particular is like one of the best sci-fi movies of the last like decade or two. And mm. I think Kingdom coming in and trying to live up to this trilogy is a really, really tall order. So best of yeah. luck to it. <laughs> I mean, we've only got like, what, six months till then? We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, anyway, I, I think we're probably ready to rate the movie. Uh, David, what are you, what are you thinking?
1: Um, I'm going to say this one is an 8, and I can't say why that feels right. I think 7 just feels too low for it, but I can't give it a 9 either. 8.5 I was considering, but again, we managed to poke a hole in a few things. I think that some of the visuals are a little bit dated for this. That's not the movie's fault. Obviously, they had the best they had at the time. It was literally groundbreaking, but... I think looking back on it now, it's a pretty solid eight. The best thing it does, it sets up this idea of who Caesar is as a character. It drives that forward. So that way, when we do see him and what he does later on in the next few movies, it's going to give us that much deeper of an appreciation for the character that we don't have to re-explore it every single time. We're just going to be able to run with what we have and get deeper even on that. So eight for this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think 8 out of 10 for me as well I might have bounced around 8 and 8.5 I don't think I've ever given it a 9 I think I was very enthusiastic about it when I first saw it but I never went quite that high but I was very impressed and I never thought I'd mm-hmm. give it anywhere close to an 8 I I went into it being really cynical thinking ah oh, this will be like a 6 at best like that yeah. was that was my attitude probably worse and it ended up being really surprisingly good and mm-hmm. yeah yeah, some of the human stuff is, is a little weaker um, but I think Dawn is a truly special film, so I'm excited to watch that again and and talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, we'll we'll have lots to say on that, but this is a very very solid eight out of ten, and uh, you know it's, it's it's like instantly it's better than all the sequels to the original. Like it's not I would say the yeah. original's a better film, but this is better than all the sequels for mm-hmm. sure, and definitely better than Tim Burton's Monstrosity from 2001 starring Marky Mark. <laughs> I was I
1: was waiting to see like how you brought up the original in this review, and I was going to try to work in a joke at being like, but I love the Tim Burton version.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so all right, there you go. Uh, so. Uh, just before david tells us about his homework i'll just once again remind you patreon.com slash fuzz tv if you want to support the show and all the other shows we do you can get some bonus content uh, every month me and david have a couple of bonus shows specifically that you might be interested in we have the criterion cut where we review movies from the criterion collection and we have extra reels where we review some of the worst movies of all time and sometimes that might even include a, a really really bad sci-fi movie which makes it kind of a, a an ace edition of extra reels mm. uh i think this month february that may be true if i remember correctly so uh sure. yeah um but uh yeah go uh go look for that uh, oh yeah it is yeah february's uh <laughs> february's mac and me <laughs> oh god is that what's coming out of february yeah oh god ah uh, nice romantic science fiction <laughs> trash for, yep. for x reels for february anyway So yeah, there's also bonuses for Screams After Midnight, the horror movie podcast that I do with Tim, and a few other things as well. So if you're interested in any of her content, please do go and help and support and all that. But uh, yes, David, Mm. every episode of Ace for the foreseeable future, you're going back and watching a movie that me and Tara all did before your time. What sci-fi movie did you do this week?
1: Not going to bury the lead here. I did the original Planet of the Apes.
0: I thought you might do this. I thought you might be I a mean, sneaky you bastard.
1: When is gonna be a better time to fit it in than <laughs> when we're going through this trilogy? I honestly it just makes sense. Yeah. Um I'm actually gonna blow your mind here though. I had never seen it.
0: Well, that's I not hadn't... that surprised. It's an old
1: movie. Yeah. But I like I with how much of just a cultural like milestone it is and especially with I did see Rise of the Planet of the Apes like two or three times I just never went back and watched the original and uh yeah no I I actually really really liked it I think it was a very very well done film I'm actually kind of same sort of thing as um this movie actually I was surprised with how long it took to get to the actual apes you know we spend so long of just like wandering through this desert area and I'm just like I'm sorry, I, I, did I start the wrong Charlton Heston movie? Where's, yeah, where's I my actually, monkeys?
0: I kind of dig that, actually. I really like that about mm-hmm. the original movies, the, the build-up to them finding some civilization. And then right. once they do, it's obviously... Because uh, keep in mind, the start of that movie, you're meant to think they're on an alien planet. So they're like, yeah, you know, exactly. where are we? Uh, bit of information for, I don't know if you knew this, but Planet of the Apes was written by Rod Serling of Twilight Zone fame. So. I,
1: to be fair, I didn't know that, but then I watched your entire review, and ah, there you, go. <laughs> you go into it quite in-depth there. Yeah. So, And
0: it very much does feel like a big Twilight Zone stale plot.
1: Yeah, that was when I was watching through it, I was trying, obviously I already knew what the twist ending was, um, that goes without saying, but I was trying to view it through the viewpoint of, okay, people believe this was a different planet, what are the hints for that, and then what are the little like Mm -hmm. hints for the twist when it shows up so i was trying to keep a viewpoint on that and i do agree that having it then wander through the desert for all this opening bit gives it that extra credence of we're on an alien planet rather than we are still on earth um but there there is just the little weirdness to it when once you said it's rod sterling i i got it like i immediately realized that it does spend a lot of time just kind of delving into, like, what are the ramifications of what we're seeing here today? And, like, the fact that there is a scene (laughs) where they are in a courtroom debating whether or not this man even has the right to speak at his own trial and his defense. There is a part where uh, they are in a cave and they're debating whether or not certain objects represent things throughout history or if there's some other thing. Whether or not faith in science can be Uh, melded into one it's so deep into just the what are the ramifications that at a certain point i kind of forget that i'm watching a movie like that i consider in my head to be in the same continuity as this one i just watched of rise because it is i know it's not the same continuity but it's the same sort of ideas to it but it just plays off so much more like in next generation star trek rather than You know, an action movie, more or less. Mm -hmm. So, I enjoyed it. I think it was great. It just... I'm surprised with how slow-paced it really was. I expected there to be more of fighting against the apes throughout the whole thing, when honestly, that only happens like twice, maybe, throughout the whole movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I saw it for the first time in my late teens, and I've seen it a number of times since, so I'm just kind of used to what it is now, I guess. Uh, That's fair. It's hard hard to imagine... Uh, what, what I felt that first time going through but right. I I remember just loving the, the kind of the vibe of it and it does bring mm-hmm. up a lot of themes and a lot of topics that it's clearly oh, yeah. talking about it is purely science fiction in that sense mm-hmm. so yeah no very good I mean it is interesting to think that like if, like I'll be honest I would not be surprised if Kingdom ends with a ship landing like I will not be shocked if they do that I mean I won't
1: be surprised if two movies after Kingdom ends with that but I think they're going to go with the whole trilogy first.
0: I, I can see them wanting to do that. I'm just saying they might be rushing to that because it's the obvious thing to do if mm. they want to do their version in this new continuity of that happening. But, of course, if they do do that, then... like, you, you, Where do they go? There's no, there's no twist this time, so you don't yeah. have the build-up to the reveal of what this is. So the question then becomes well, okay, well, you have to tell a compelling story. And, yeah, you can have the astronauts reacting to this world that they've they've mm-hmm. thrown themselves into. But this time, we're going to go into it where we know the ape characters like we, we we would normally know human characters. So we can't do it from the perspective of the astronauts now where they're shocked. We're, we're going to side almost more with the apes because, you know, presumably we've been following them throughout Mm -hmm. the movie or whatever i don't know it'll be very interesting to see if they try and do it how they do it but i mean if if i had to guess
1: i'd say that probably the goal is going to be they're going to show because what i didn't realize in um the original planet of the apes is that there is kind of a class system based off of what kind of ape you are yeah yeah um i didn't realize that was a thing i think that this next trilogy is kind of going to be focused on that it's going to be showing this difference of like certain classes being raised up and other classes being lowered well, down the... Have you actually heard it?
0: them say it's meant to be a trilogy? Because I've not heard that. I'm not, this is the first time I'm hearing that from you.
1: I feel like I've heard rumors, but I don't... I've never read anything official about it. I'm sure, so. I mean, I'm
0: sure they want more, because again, it's a studio, yeah.
1: but... So, regardless, I, I feel like the idea is going to be building up this class system, and then if they do introduce the astronauts, they can make it so that the astronauts are the ones that are basically pulling a Caesar from this movie... Where they're interrupting this class system and like disrupting the established order, you
0: know? Yeah, it's showing that there's a cycle to things where the apes make a lot of the same mistakes mm-hmm. that humans did. Yeah, I can see them going with that. I am just concerned. Uh, I, I think it's a miracle that we got not all one good new apes movie, but we got a trilogy of good apes movies. Yeah. I will be shocked if that can be maintained in a new soft reboot, effectively. Yeah.
1: I, so. I mean, I guess we'll see um as for this though for reading the original plan of the apes maybe it's because i was holding it side by side with rise and i'm not going to give it as high as you and tara did i think i'm going to give this one an 8.5 it's okay. good it's solid it just it was a lot slower pace than i was expecting i did like the vibe of it but they're also uh especially comparing to rise there are certain times where the prosthetics and masks and stuff like that like God bless them. They were trying, but like those mounts <laughs> were not moving when they were talking
0: sure. at the time. It was an issue. Sure, But I, it was very good. And keep in mind as well, Plot of the Apes came out in the middle of the Cold War. So this mm-hmm. idea that the ending was... Because you know, Heston is literally shouting, damn it, you blew it all to hell, you did it. Like, yeah. he, he is clearly... At least he's assuming anyway that this this the world ended because of a nuclear war.
1: Yeah, that's two things I wanted to bring up. First off, Heston's a creep. Just in this movie and probably in general like he's a creep (laughs) the fact that he was talking about his only female crewmate in such sexual ways he took this woman who has the mental capacity of an ape and wanted to do sexual things to her and then he ended up kissing a monkey on the mouth like all of those are weird heston is weird but beyond that um the, the other thing is that they posited several reasons as to why the world could have ended, and Heston throws out, like, oh, maybe it was asteroids or something like that. And based off of what we saw in the movie, I don't see any reason why he assumed it was nuclear and not, like, asteroids. Like, there's nothing to say that they blew it up.
0: Yeah, but again, it's the time he came from, so that's yeah. what he's leaping to. does That doesn't mean he's right. He could be wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, I've, obviously, it's solid for the time. It had yeah. a lot of, um, like things that they were saying in the movie about the times themselves.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, I, I yeah. do I do remember i had forgotten about it until you said it there, but I do remember talking in the review about his comments about his the one female crew member uh, yeah. being a bit weird. <laughs> but um yeah, uh the original's very good. Uh, it's a classic mm-hmm. um and I mean Tara gave it a ten, I think she she yep. gave it a perfect score. Um I gave it a bit higher than you, but uh anyway. No so, and just once again before we wrap up yes we know apes are not monkeys I just want to double down on that but David's really trying I, to piss everyone off but I just I want to will, make it clear I will continue
1: calling them monkeys just to try to game the algorithm a little bit so if you want to chastise me by all means leave seven comments I'll only read the seventh one though <laughs>
0: That's the show, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, We will be back with the next Apes movie in a month or so's time. We're going to spread them out over the next few months until we build up to Kingdom coming out in the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week on the show, we have something I have been waiting two decades to rewatch, and that is James Cameron's The Abyss. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to watch this again. So... Very specifically the theatrical cut we're not watching the extended the special edition, (laughs) you watch the longer one you son of a bitch anyway, we'll see you next time thank you very much for joining us, we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa